right, let's pray. Uh, Lord God, we come before you and we thank you for your word. God, we ask that you would knock the scales from our eyes so we can see this evening. God, let us hear what you have for us tonight. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. In his introduction to the book of Joshua, El Moeller writes, Christians are people with a story, one not originally our own, but we find that it tells us who God is and who we are. As we look into our verse from Joshua 6, we're going to look at our family's story, and we're going to let those two themes guide us. Before we read the passage to get the context, it's going to be beneficial to look at a little bit of what has come before um, leading up to this fall of Jericho. One item of importance was the covenant that God made with Abraham, in which he promised to give Abraham this very land in Genesis 15. Then, during the Exodus, come the commands given to Israel in Deuteronomy 7 and Deuteronomy 20 to devote the seven nations of Canaan to complete destruction for their sin. As Israel was preparing to embark in this war, they sent spies into Jericho, and they were aided by a harlot named Rahab, who made an agreement with these spies. She and her family would be spared, given that they are in their house, and the scarlet cord given to her is tied into her window when Jericho falls. The verse we're going to be focusing in on tonight is Joshua 6.25, but we'll start reading in verse 15 to get the context. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. And it was on that day that they marched down the city, around the city seven times. At the seventh time, when the priests marched around the city, uh, at, the, at the seventh time, when the priests had blown their trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is in, within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who were with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both the men and the women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, Go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her, as you swore to her. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. And they brought all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and everything in it. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. So 
So as I mentioned earlier, we'll be using Mr. Moeller's insight to guide us, and we'll see what we learn about who we are and who God is. First, we want to consider what we learn about God. So to not have a bunch of numbers to keep track of, I'm going to label these A, B, and C for those of you that are taking notes. Um, so A, the first thing that we learn about God is he keeps his promises. In Genesis 15:16, we read God's promise to Abraham about his plans for his people. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. The people of God are now here ready to take this land that God promised to Abraham some 400 plus years earlier. Our verse comes after the first battle in Canaan and the promise is in the, promise in, is in the process of being fulfilled. In 2 Samuel 7:28, also in the context of God making a covenant, David reminds us that, O Lord God, you are God and your words are true. It's good to remember the covenant promises of God. And I could take the rest of my time to encourage you with God's promises and just leave you with that. But I'm just going to just list a few of them to encourage you and to help you fortify your faith. Isaiah 26.3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 41.9 and 10, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 32, verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye on you. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Revelation 3.5 The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out from the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. The list goes on. Read his word. Dwell on his promises. Know that his words are indeed true. Point B, we also learn that God is a God of judgment. Back to Joshua 6, we read in verse 17, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Again in verse 14, they devoted all, this, all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys with the edge of the sword. Verse 24, we see that they burn the city with fire and everything in it. God is right in keeping his promise and judging the people for their sins. As we discussed in our Sunday school class in the book of Lamentations this morning, there are similar promises to judge throughout scripture, just like the promises we looked at earlier. And just like those promises, he is sure to keep them. Here are just a few. 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must, appear before the, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Hebrews 9:27. And just as it is appointed to man to die once, after this comes the judgment. 
Acts 17, 30 and 31. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance by all assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Point C, he is a God of mercy. We just looked at this theme of destruction in this section of scripture, but if you look closely, you're also gonna see a pattern of mercy. Back to verse 17. The city that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her and in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. Verse 21 and 22. They devoted all this city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, donkeys, with the edge of the sword. But the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house, bring out from there the woman and all who belonged to her, as you swore to her. Verse 24 and 25. The burning burning of everything in the city is followed by a statement of God's mercy toward Rahab in our verse for tonight, verse 25. But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And and she has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Well, the destruction of Jericho is indeed right and just. God was eager to save any that have faith. Ezekiel 18 fleshes this same idea out. Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, declares the Lord God. Repent and turn from your transgressions, lest iniquity be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed. Make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. Hungry and thirsty sinner, take Jesus at his word. Come to him to eat and drink. He is ready to forgive and extend mercy instead of destruction. Moving on to our second point, we want to look at what we learn about who we are. As we consider verse 25 in its context, we learn that we are Rahab. The story of Rahab is the story of us. And there's six ways, A through F, that I'm going to um, bring this out. A, she lived in a pagan land, in a city set apart for destruction. The prostitution, child sacrifice, and idolatry of Canaan find their modern parallels in sexual promiscuity, pride parades, abortion on demand, and the worship of false idols. Unbeliever, without coming to Christ, this is where your similarity with the story of Rahab ends. Your willful rebellion against your creator places you in the midst of a modern Jericho, set apart for destruction. Don't let your story end in Jericho. The rest of Rahab's story can be yours as well. Point B. Rahab heard. Listen to her statement to the spies from chapter two. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted 
and there is no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God, in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. The New Testament tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. If you consider yourself a Christian, you have the confession of Rahab. You have heard, and the fear of God brought you to point C. She confessed. Indeed, her confession is really a demonstration of what Israel was called to in Deuteronomy 4.39. They were instructed to know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. Our modern equivalent to this is Romans 10, where we read, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Point D, she acted on her faith. Her belief in the Lord brought her to act and hide the spies that Joshua sent into Jericho. If you read through the by faith section of Hebrews 11, you'll see example after example of faith working itself out into action. Martin Luther famously said, we are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Believer, does your faith inspire you to act? Point E, her faith was a blessing to others. It was not only Rahab who was saved, but her, by, but her father's household and all who belonged with her. While we don't have any record beyond the book of Joshua noting the faith of Rahab's family, what's observable here is that they changed their direction. They moved from Team Canaan to Team Israel, from calling Molech God to serving Jehovah as the true God. This is what repentance looks like, changing the God you serve, changing your direction. Because of Rahab's faith, her family, extend, family and extended family yet to be born were brought into the family of Israel and experienced all the blessings of being included in God's covenant people. That extended family, like all of mankind, still has to repent and to believe to be part of the true Israel. But they would know of God in a way that the average family on the block in Canaan would not and could not. And finally, point F. She is part of Jesus' family tree. Since the fall, whenever people forsake the sinful ways of their father Adam and run to God for salvation, our Heavenly Father takes them as his children. Rahab, as an adopted child of God, was fully part of Israel and directly in the genealogy of Jesus. We read in Matthew 1, And Solomon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king, and so on, and so on, until you get to Christ. What a blessing to be part of the family of our Lord. Christian, as we come to the close, remember this, that the story of Rahab is the story of us, as we are also adopted members of God's family. We see this in Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 3 through 6 as a closing prayer. Let's pray. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places.
even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Amen.